Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week's message is from Luke chapter 22, verses 7 to 38, where Jesus shares the Last Supper with his disciples. Good morning, church. Welcome to worship this morning. My name is Jamie Dykstra, and I get to serve as lead pastor here at Centerpoint Church, and, and a special welcome to our Sioux Center campus. We are so grateful, and I personally am so grateful, to get to worship with you as well this morning. Um, It's a privilege to study God's Word as a body of believers. And to all of you who are watching online, thank you for choosing to tune in on this holiday weekend. We're so glad that you decided to worship, and we're so grateful that you'd worship with us. And we we pray that the Lord is near you and the Spirit works among you as we worship the Lord together, as we study God's Word together. Welcome back to our At the Table series. So we've been studying this... this, um, these passages in Luke over the last several weeks where Jesus has meals with people at the table. And welcome back to that series. Um, We've invited you through this series, I hope, uh, to consider the power of hospitality and the abundance that we find in Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus performs extraordinary miracles. And and if you're willing to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll notice. Like, those things really stand out, but there's some things that you might not notice that are equally is extraordinary. So um, Jesus does these miracles, but in this series, we're, we're inviting him to see the extraordinary in the ordinary. How something as simple as a meal can be used as a tool of transformation. Jesus takes everyday, our everyday needs. Do you see how he cares for us? He takes our everyday needs and our everyday rhythms like our need to eat, like our physical need for food to survive, things that, that we will turn to daily out of necessity physical necessity, and transform those things, these simple things, these ordinary things, just a meal, into a teaching tool about our spiritual need. We can be discipled at the table, and we can also make disciples at the table. At the table, Jesus shows us abundance. And as disciples, we, we, we are invited to live out of the abundance of Jesus Christ. Abundant love. Abundant hospitality, abundant humility. Be abundant in our forgiveness, abundant patience, abundant kindness, abundant grace. The ordinary, which we live in 99.99% of the time, becomes extraordinary because of the abundant gift of Jesus Christ. And it's out of the overflow of this abundance of Jesus that, that we have more than enough to share with others. This happens at the table. And in case we forget or we drift or even fall away, Jesus calls us back. He invites us to remember at the table. Within the church, we call this feast of remembrance communion. And it is my sincere hope that you will not be able to swallow one more bite of food without remembering who Jesus is and what he's done to save you. Not, not just this meal or when we celebrate this at church, but every time you swallow food, would you remember what Jesus has done to save you? And if God used the table to communicate what is beyond comprehension, maybe we too. Maybe we too should learn 
and lean into the example of Jesus and from a place of abundance open our table creating space for the Holy Spirit to work in and through us I think God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary things I think an ordinary table like the one in your home and the one in mine plus abundant hospitality is a recipe for transformation for you and for others so don't overthink it because I overthink it don't overthink it it's not about the extravagance of the meal it's about the extravagance of the love and grace of Jesus which you have in abundance the scripture that we're going to study this morning comes from Luke chapter 22 we're going to start in verse 7 and, and just before this passage, Judas, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, these followers that have been in with him uh, for years now, one of these 12 disciples agrees to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus and the disciples are now, now gathering together to celebrate a special meal called Passover, a meal that we remember as communion. This passage is a, a bit longer, so if, you, if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, I'd encourage you to do so. Um, Luke chapter 22, we're going to start in verse 7. Uh, and I invite you to, to try to focus, because it's, it's a little longer passage, there's, and there's a lot going on. Um, it's a little chaotic, maybe even disjointed. It's hard to see how all this stuff fits together. But I think this broader picture of what's going on around this meal illustrates um, the need of disciples, those disciples, the need that we have as disciples, and also the goodness and patience and grace of Jesus. So before we go to God's word, let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to it. Would you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our single concern. Amen. So Luke 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, where is the guest room where I made the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a, a large upper room, all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples, his apostles, reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, and he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink of it again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of, which of them it might be who would do this. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. 
Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you have a sword, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, Lord, see, here are two swords. That is enough, he replied. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's, let's just walk through this story together, like a verse or a section at a time, because there, there is a lot going on here. Um, this meal that, that Jesus is celebrating with his disciples um, is already full of meaning. It said the, came, the day came for the, for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, of which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So the disciples and the followers of Jesus in the early church would have understood something that we, we might not understand about this. Um, the Passover is a yearly celebration for the Jewish people, and it's intended to remind them. So this is a meal of remembrance already. It's, a, it's intended to remind them that, that God saves. It's intended to, to remind them of of how they've been delivered from their slavery in Egypt. It's specifically intended to remind them of the blood of the lamb that was placed on the doorposts over the houses of the Israelites when the angel of death passed over those homes because of the blood of the lamb, sparing their families and, and breaking the resolve of their Egyptian captors, setting the people free. Salvation comes through the blood of the lamb. This would have been front of mind for these Jewish disciples and from all of Israel at the time. Salvation comes through the blood of the Lamb. Then Jesus instructs Peter and John, two of his most uh, trusted disciples, to go and make preparations for this Passover meal, this meal of remembrance. And, and Jesus gives them these cryptic directions. Did you catch this? As you enter the city, uh, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Okay? Follow him to the house that he enters. Okay? That, that's how they're supposed to find the place? It's not like Google Maps. It, it's follow the guy with the water jug. Okay. What, what, why is that? Why the cloak and dagger here? What, what is Jesus doing? And, and the short answer is, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what, what this is. Each, each story of this story tells a little different version of this cloak and dagger to find the place to eat the Passover meal. But this is what I wonder about. This is what I wondered about this week. As I mentioned earlier, Judas has already agreed to betray Jesus, to turn him over, to be arrested. And as we learn later, Jesus knows that Judas is doing this. 
And I wonder if Jesus gave these instructions to two of his disciples in the presence of Judas and others. And if Jesus is protecting the meal from being interrupted by concealing the location from Judas, you can't tell the temple guard to go and follow the guy with the water jug. That's a one-off thing. Like, the guy's already gone to the house with the water jug. So he, he, if Judas doesn't know where to send the temple guard, if Judas um, doesn't know the location in advance, the temple guard cannot arrest Jesus in the middle of the meal, which would have been a perfect time. They wanted to arrest him in secret, but Judas doesn't know. He could tell them, go follow the guy with the water jug. That, that worked one time. So the, the location is secret until they arrive, and it amazes me that Jesus protects this meal so that Judas can be part of it. He could have said, Judas, go to this place, and everybody else shows up somewhere else. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus protects the meal, the location of the meal, so that Judas could be part of it. Jesus has been looking forward to this opportunity to celebrate this meal with these disciples. In verse 15 it says, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus has been looking forward to this moment, this final opportunity before the cross to gather all 12 of his disciples with him, a final opportunity to model and teach the way. Jesus knows how quickly they will all forget everything that they have taught him. Everything that Jesus taught will be gone in a flash, how fear will overwhelm them, and how soon Jesus will stand alone to suffer and to die for the sin of the whole world. Jesus gives his disciples mysterious directions on where the meal will take place. Follow the guy with the water jar. That's not a repeatable thing. They, they can't do that after Jesus is gone. But Jesus now gives direction at the meal that will anchor and orient them in every circumstance from here on out. Jesus gives them a way back to him that transcends cognition, that transcends understanding, that's baked into their biology. At the table, Jesus embeds truth that is beyond words, anchored in our human need, designed to, to awaken us to our spiritual need and God's gracious provision. Let, let me say that one more time. At the table, Jesus embeds truth beyond words, anchored in our human need, designed to awaken us to our spiritual need and God's gracious provision. In the aftermath of what is about to come, when fear decimates their faith, when they scatter and they forget everything that Jesus has taught them, when survival blinds them to their salvation, eventually, hunger is going to return to their bodies just like it will to yours this afternoon. When survival blinds them to their salvation and and hunger returns to their bodies and in the breaking of bread Jesus makes himself known to them as the heavenly bread they will remember when hunger returns to their bodies when the muscle memory will resurrect all that Jesus has taught them at the table the grace of God is simplified so that it's accessible to anyone and at the table the grace has depth that exceeds everyone at the table is simplicity and mystery. It's a gift to us, his disciples, to help us find our way. This is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus offers. And this is the context 
in which he offers this gift. In verse 21, Jesus says, But the hand of him who's going to betray me is with mine on the table. I think it's important to remember Jesus, Jesus washed Judas's feet. Jesus taught him and fed him at this same table. Jesus knew his betrayal, and Jesus loved him anyway. I'm reminded at the table, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm reminded at the table that we love because he first loved us. And the disciples are missing it. And church, I don't want to miss it, and I don't want you to miss it either. And perhaps their worst moment is certainly an embarrassing moment when you look back on it, highlighting just how deep their need is. The disciples seem to understand none of this. In this holy moment, this is what happens next. A dispute arose among them as to which of them is considered to be greatest. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the steadfast love and patience of Jesus. Jesus is about to die. And they are about to scatter. And they're arguing about which one of them is greatest. Jesus patiently reminds them of his example and invites them to humility. It is the way of Jesus that's going to guide them and equip them for the responsibility that's about to come. And responsibility is on the way. Jesus says, I will confer on you a kingdom. Just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is not a, a position of power to lord it over others. This is an enormous responsibility. This will involve great sacrifice and suffering just as it required of Jesus. And, and we're to approach our responsibility as followers of Jesus with the purpose and passion and humility of Jesus. Not out of our strength, but out of the abundance that is ours in Christ Jesus. The abundance that Jesus is teaching us at the table. And we'll need to continually return to the table to be reminded of what is true. To adjust our aim in order to walk in the way of Jesus. It is hard and it will be hard. Jesus turns to Peter, who's called Simon, and says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And I'm thinking, could have you said no? Like, I would have liked him to say no. But Satan has asked to sift him as wheat. Jesus has prayed for Simon that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knows that he's going to fall away. And Jesus knows that he's going to turn back. And when he turns back, strengthen your brothers. Peter is about to fall apart. But on the other side of the cross, when the grace of Jesus puts him back together, Jesus needs Peter to lead the disciples. Jesus needs Peter to lead the early church in the way of Jesus. All out of the strength and grace and abundance that Jesus has shown them at the table. Jesus turns to the rest of the disciples and asked, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? And nothing, they answered him. And then Jesus tells them to bring everything. Bring everything you can bring. Bring it all, because the journey ahead is going to be way more difficult than anything they've experienced so far. At the table, Jesus shows them the way and helps them understand the why. 
At the table, Jesus embeds truth beyond words, anchored in our human need, designed to awaken us to our spiritual need and God's gracious provision for us, an object lesson with depth beyond comprehension. In a minute, I will invite you to the table. And we are a sent people, church. We are sent out like the disciples have been sent out. We are a sent people, and I invite you to take everything. I first invite you to take your time at the table. But take a big piece of bread, because you're going to need it, and dip it in the cup, and, and swallow and remember and help your body remember that it is the grace of Jesus that has saved you. Take everything. The work of the kingdom is hard, and we live in abundance. Both of these things are true. The work of the kingdom is hard, and we live in abundance. So here's the challenge for this week and in the weeks to come. Jesus modeled hospitality and humility at the table in abundance. How can we follow Jesus' example? How can you follow Jesus' example? Would you be willing to risk? Would you be willing to, to try? Remember, Jesus washed Judas's feet. Jesus broke bread with him. Jesus showed humility and hospitality and love, knowing that Judas would betray him. Jesus loved and risked anyway. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to love and risk and extend hospitality, even though we don't know the outcome? Would you be willing to be open to make space in your life, to make space at your table, even, even at risk rejection? And secondly, it's my hope, my sincere hope, that every time you swallow a bite of food, don't just think about this on Sundays like this. Every time you swallow a bite of food, would you remember Christ's body was broken for you? Every time you drink from a cup, would you remember that, that Christ's blood was shed for you? Christ has done this for you. At the table, Jesus has embedded truth beyond words, anchored in our human need, designed to awaken us to our spiritual need and God's gracious provision. He does this work at the table. Would you be willing to follow the example of Jesus, to practice hospitality in abundance, to risk, to make space in your life for someone else? Transformation happens at the table. We've seen it over and over again. God makes and God remakes disciples at the table. God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary things at the table. And as we gather at the table, we remember the example of our Savior, Jesus. Church, would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful that you sent your Son and you've gifted us with your spirit, and you've given us this example of what it means to follow you. And Jesus, we thank you for your patience with us. We forget so easily. So reawaken within us this muscle memory of all that you've taught through the simplest of means, the bread that is broken, the cup that is blessed. The nourishment of our body reminds us of how you've nourished our souls and the grace and, and the cost that came with that grace for Jesus' body to be broken and his blood to be shed for the sin of the whole world. So as we gather at the table, would you remind us of this truth? But when we gather for lunch this afternoon or supper tonight, as we take a bite, I pray that it would just be embedded in our brains that this is Christ's body broken for us. Jesus died for me. As we drink from a cup, that we'd remember that Jesus poured out his blood for me to save me, that Jesus has been so good and Jesus' love and grace is so abundant. 
So God, thank you for using our tables as a place of hospitality and a place of transformation. Thank you for working through the ordinary to do extraordinary things. Thank you for the gift of your spirit who we trust to do all this transforming work within us and through us. So God, as we come to your table, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this gift of grace and what it means to us and what you mean to us. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.